Hello, nurse, and welcome back to episode 165 of the Red Box Report, the weekly again podcast, movie podcast, where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVDs for Red Box. I am one of your hosts, Bob Phelan. And I'm one of the co-hosts, Joel Phelan. And our other co-host is you, the listener. You participate by emailing us at theredboxreport at yahoo.com. But Joel, it is good to be back. So good to be back. Yeah. Uh, I've been... <laughs> Chomping at the this bit. I on my calendar long ago. <laughs> yes, before we even knew it. Nostradamus. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so we had like a oh, just over two-month hiatus as I searched and searched far and wide for my new house. Well, I've got it. I got my basement podcast studio slash playroom slash everything else going, so... We're back and we're ready to get back in the game. Pumped. <laughs> yes. And on our first episode back, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. Since we had that time, we actually had a full season of television come and go that we both watched. So we're going to talk Game of Thrones Season 6. Count down our top Have ten. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> it's this new thing in town. Uh, count down our top ten favorite episodes of the show's history. Rank the seasons shoot the shit but but first we got some house cleaning to do as one might expect after two months of an empty house all kinds of spiders crawled their way in (laughs) Uh, look out for the ants though yes if you didn't notice we have a brand new sparkling logo adorned to our podcast uh thank you to my brother-in-law sean brady it's simple and to the point but much better than the copy and paste ripoff job that I did when we first made this podcast. <laughs> I, not too shabby, I didn't thought. But yeah. yeah. Let us know what you thought. As well as, don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search the Redbox support. And we're on YouTube. We did that right at the tail end before our hiatus. I made a YouTube page and put a few things up on there. So subscribe to us there as well. And, uh,. Yeah, we had some things happen while we were gone. What What's new in your world, Joel? Well, it's it's July. Um, <laughs> we celebrated uh, our know. independence. Yeah. Um, Britain left <laughs> you. Yeah, wow, um, Brexit interview here. Brexit in. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, it's more the same i guess you know not as eventful as your your yeah. happenings yeah exactly i guess i should say with with buying a new house i had decided to cut the cord cut it out and stick yeah. with only internet and i will say yes thank you thank you very much <laughs> uh, it is liberating honestly uh at first it was a little overwhelming trying to figure out okay what do i need how do I rig this up? You know, it's just different. You're so ingrained with having cable and just having that available at the flick of a button. But as the weeks have gone on, I'm really growing to love it. I love the flexibility of it. I love I can watch it on the Roku in the living room, on the Chromecast up in my bedroom, on my laptop, on my phone. It's just really nice to have that, you know. Well, yeah. Weird noises. Sorry about that. 
<laughs> working out the bugs. Bro. Yes, we're working out the kinks, getting back into it. But yeah, I'm I'm actually loving it. I'm having a little difficulty finding the perfect spot to get my antenna signal going, but I got my Netflix, HBO, Sling TV, barring my sister's Hulu username and password. Don't catch me doing that, big guys at Hulu, but yeah, so I pretty much got everything I need, and I'm paying way less for it, so I love it. Yeah. You know what you need? What do I need? Is some bunny ears and a roll of aluminum foil. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they do the bunny ears anymore. But, well, uh, I mean, just for aesthetics. Yeah, that's true. I could do that. <laughs> Actually, the next step, if this Mohu Leaf 50-mile radius thing I got doesn't work, I might have to get a rooftop antenna. <laughs> I'm hoping oh, I don't man. have to go to those measures. but Have the old-school dial. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever had one of these at your house, but at my other grandmother's in the basement, there's this dial. It was sort of like tracking for a VCR, but it literally rotated, like physically rotated the nice the antenna on the uh, roof. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. That seems difficult to install. But we'll see. But what, what I do like about the cord cutting is that I've, we watch Game of Thrones through the HBO Now app. And there's, like, not really anything right now, maybe for the next couple months, that I absolutely need to watch so I can cancel HBO for three, six, nine months, however long I want, and save that money, come back, binge any shows that I missed and get caught up on it. You know, I just like how you can subscribe and unsubscribe so easily and really yeah. just control your cost. If you need an extra $30 this month, you can not have X and Y for this one month or, you know. So yeah, so it's a, uh, it's actually pretty empowering. Like I, I guess I take it for granted because I've sort of done it for so long, and I didn't really consciously do it. But you know, it's you you consume on your own terms. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, it's actually it feels good. You're not just, and the thing I I don't miss is just having the TV on at all times. Like now, yeah. my new routine is like if I have the TV on. I'll be watching something I want to watch. And yeah. at night, instead of... I always used to fall asleep to the TV being on. Like Otherwise, I would just... My mind would race and I'd stay up all night. But now, like last night, I put on some random Netflix show that I have no interest in watching. Just to, you know, fall asleep to. Yeah, yeah. That's or, a, I, I always I could picture just try like, to learn like the to West Wing. It's a classic for me. It's kind of... <laughs> Interesting enough that I can watch it when I'm awake, but boring enough I can fall asleep. Yeah. I swear, the more interested I am in something, the quicker I'll fall asleep, it seems like. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but... <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. It's been happening to me with Bloodline lately, especially, so... Alright, well, another thing that happened over our hiatus was the fourth annual Summer Box Office Draft, which... We're I we're fa we're world famous for now and oh yeah <laughs> we did it all offline through Facebook Messenger and here's what happened it's me Joel friend of the show Edgar Chaput and former co-host Casey Brady and we each got five picks and a reserve and the picks went as so my team I had Captain America Civil War. 
Angry Birds movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows, Central Intelligence, and The Secret Life of Pets, with the Reserve of Sausage Party. And right now I sit at first place, 633 million in the green, or in the black, he should, I should say. Now, Joel, on the other hand, <laughs> his draft didn't go quite as well. He's currently in last place with 55 million. He had the nice guys, which, <laughs> I mean, was awesome. I'll talk about it at a later date, but didn't make that money. Yeah. Also had X-Men Apocalypse, Warcraft, Independence Day Resurgence, and War Dogs with Peach Dragon in reserve. Yeah, I, I pulled a Cleveland Browns this draft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you took some risks. Some might paid off or Cleveland may pay steamer. off. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have been genius if it paid out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Independence Day, I didn't feel good about from the get-go. Yeah, it wasn't sort of, your first pick or anything. Yeah. I had a first overall pick. I went with Civil War. Seemed like a lock, and it's made the vast majority of my money. So, really, it's all up to if Casey or Edgar, or you, I won't give up on you yet, can uh, come up from behind. Like, Casey's in second place. I'm really liking what I see from his team so far. He has Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, Finding Dory, which is just killing it. Yeah. The Purge Election Year, which had a great opening weekend with a small budget. I heard it got decent reviews as well. Yeah, better than I expected. Yeah. Ice Age Collision Course and Suicide Squad with, thankfully, his reserve, Alice Through the Looking Glass, not doing too hot. And Edgar, he has the most uh, movies still on the board yet to come out, but he has The Conjuring 2, which did pretty darn good for a, a summer horror movie, and The BFG, which didn't do so good for a summer yeah. Steven Spielberg blockbuster. But he still has Ghostbusters, Star Trek Beyond, and Jason Bourne. So uh, he's not Bourne and it. Star Trek will do well, but Ghostbusters seems worse and worse the more I see about it. I know, but it could be. I don't know. I have a feeling it it could go anywhere as far as like it could. It's I, got it could go either way. So much negative buzz that it might cause a huge opening weekend. True. Like people just want to hate watch it or something. But yeah, I've been having fun uh, posting on the website weekly, updating the box office draft, and uh, that's what's been keeping me going through these weeks without podcasting. Yeah, it's always fun. Yes. Yeah, the last thing that really has come up since we last recorded is that I have another writing gig for a website, baltimoresportsandlife.com. I am the movie analyst. I've written a couple things so far. I wrote, ranked my ranked the Pixar movies in uh, one thing, all 16, I think it was before I saw Finding Dory. And then I did a top five video game adaptations list to coincide with the release of Warcraft a couple weeks ago. Nice. And I'm also the MMA analyst, and I've been doing a lot of writing about the UFC and stuff like that. Uh, I just wrote 3,000 words on previewing UFC 200, so if anyone's interested, please, by all means, check that out and let me know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to check it out as soon as I'm done with this. Awesome. And actually, one other funny thing. We had, during this hiatus, we went to a wedding, um, my wife's friend from uh, growing up, her wedding, 
and we're just sitting at a table as you do at a wedding. This was one where I literally knew nobody other than the bride and her. I met her groom once and obviously my wife. And we just happened to be sitting right next to this couple and we're talking and somehow come up comes up that I podcast about movies and like, oh really, so do we. So we happen to be sitting right next to fellow movie podcasters, Rob and Jess from French Toast Sunday. They've been doing it longer than us. Nice. Yeah, I actually listened to a couple episodes. It's not bad. It's enjoyable. I mean, it's just cool to know other people that do that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Maybe we'll have to get them in on something yeah. sometime. That's what I was saying at the. I I said it even without listening because, you know, good people. Anyone that's a podcaster, you got you got uh, my yeah. faith. You know, <laughs> there's if I could listen to as many as I really wanted to, that's all I would do. But there's only so much time in a day. But I think True. I might keep listening to theirs. It's pretty good. Yeah, I might have to check that out. All right, well, let's get into the meat of this episode. It's Game of Thrones. It's season six. It's what did you think? Or, let's see, I guess, how do we set this up? I'm not used to doing a whole season of television. Yeah. Okay, so, spoilers from this point on for all of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, we got to, because, I mean, this is the last thing we're going to talk about, and it's just, yeah, it would be way too hard not to spoil Even if, so. like, catch up on the whole season yeah. as well. Like, if you're not all the way through, maybe listen to the first, like, five minutes or something like that, but, like, we're going to make specifics and broad strokes at the same time, so it might... Be warned. Yes. Spoilers ahead. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, we can do this any way you really want. I have the ten episodes listed. Okay. And, like, not even notes, just uh, generally names, little things that refresh the memory. So, Yeah, my notes consist of, like, uh, characters or... Locations and basically the story arc over the course of the season. I didn't know if we could, if we wanted to go one by one that way instead of episode to episode. All right. Well, how about let's start just general couple thoughts. word impression thought thoughts on the season. Okay. Well, as I bitched about plenty in the past, I was not a fan of season five. I mean, it's still. Is Game of Thrones, so it's enjoyable on the level that of like just spectacle and these characters and all. But I was very disappointed outside of Hard Home, like a yeah uh, episode um, that was incredible and didn't fit with the rest of the season. So coming into season six, I had lowered expectations. First episode felt a lot like season five to me, um, but then suddenly I found myself enjoying the show. Tremendously, I had a ton of fun with this season. I think it has two, three or four very great standout episodes, as we'll get into perhaps in our top ten episodes of all time. And I think, on a whole, it was pretty great, actually. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think it had one or two episodes that were kind of bleh. But important. Yeah, I feel like that is usually the case with Game of Thrones. So even if 
the episode isn't great, it's usually, I don't know, kind of like the lesser evil, rather than spread some of it out, they kind of get some of that stuff out of the way so that they can make more invigorating whatever episode. Yeah, they gotta set up their big set pieces, and plus, they gotta save some budget for those big set pieces, too. Yeah. So um, that's why you won't see the dire wolves, or you won't see the dragons for, except for the you know, the big action set pieces. Yeah. Um, I mostly agree with you on season five. It was one of the weaker seasons. Um, I think I liked it a little bit better than you did. I think, uh, not taking a shot at the Avengers or anything, but, like, it's sort of... I felt like season five suffered from that a little bit, where they kind of tried to do a little bit too much within their time constraints and all that like Dorn and right for me it felt like they ran out of the material that they could really just use as a backbone and dive into and they tried to rush things and yeah it kind of that connective tissue and that even continues into season six I think I just think they executed better on the big moments and on the character beats yeah, I, I gotta give them a lot of credit. I really think they looked back at season five and were like, it, it's not the worst, it's not the end of the world, but they really took what was wrong with season five and uh, adjusted it or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like, all right. Um, I love this season. Uh, it's not really complete. Very fast-paced compared to the rest of... Very, yes. (laughs) And the only thing that makes me... I don't know, not apprehensive, but... The only thing that makes me wonder is... They were kind of... I mean, I'm sure they generally know what's going on in the story. But this is the first season that... The book readers are mostly in the dark. For sure. But there still was a lot of stuff that... We knew about. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I felt like that was sort of reflective of why it was so fast-paced. Because they were sort of trying to get a jam a lot in, and there wasn't a lot of, like, established dialogue or whatnot. Um, not a, really even a complaint, but different. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, uh, the, I guess what I was trying to say, though, is timeline-wise. Not necessarily... Usually the timeline's a little slower, and... I don't know, like, some people, like, leaving one area, and then they're all of a sudden they were there, like, yeah. even within the episode. They skipped ahead on with fast travel or whatever it is in the Elder Scrolls, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, honestly, it didn't bother me as much as, like, some other people that were... I yeah, feel like that some kind of, the, of uh, stuff. It's like, you know, you get the point. It, the timelines are different on each story. You just have to kind of accept it. That doesn't bother me too much. There's other things that I can nitpick that bother me more than that. But no, I do I see the point people are making. Some of the people that I watch, like YouTube and stuff, that talk about the show, I, I feel like a lot of the old diehard kind of guys were a little bit cynical about this season and was I, I feel like people were almost like this is 
season is kind of too good to be true. So they sort of picked it apart a little more. Mm-hmm. Besides for like the really great episodes, but I don't know. That's just my general. I, I love this season. It might be one of my favorite season. Um, a lot of people are saying that. I'd say season six is the season of payoffs. It's uh, it's season one point five in a way. <laughs> it's <laughs> like they felt the need to give the good guys a victory or two. Yeah, and finally. Uh, tying some of those threads together rather than splitting yes, them. Yes, it's all coming together. Threes, By the end of the yeah. season, everybody is basically in Westeros. It'll be, you know, everyone's meeting and storylines are converging. Yes. It's Which I'll give them is what they said from the get-go, or at least like season two one, is they said everyone's together and they spread out and then eventually converge. Yeah. So, so anyway, let's get into it. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess the biggest storyline is the resurrection of Jon Snow, which spoiler, <laughs> yes, <Skipping> episodes <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, so John, he was the big thing was he died at the end of season five, and by episode two, yeah. uh, home, which actually I think was an incredible episode, he is resurrected. By old ass Melisandre. Yeah. And um, he l- basically comes back, and I would have thought he would ha- be like a man on a mission, like knows I need exactly what he needs to do, be like a man possessed, but it seems like he was almost more lost than he even was before. But he ends up just gathering a bunch of the northern houses to take back Winterfell from Ramsay Bolton to prepare for the war against the White Walkers, essentially. And so, in episode 9, you get the Battle of the Bastards, which was incredible. Incredible. Like, some of the best action I've seen in movies or TV, period. It was like uh, Saving Private Ryan for Westeros. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like, that's what we were talking about. Like, I was saying, I hope, like, more period piece, like, movies or shows come out like, because they've never really done medieval warfare very good in movies. Yeah. Acceptable, but not realistic. Like, I mean, this was like ground level. You're there with him uh, in the thick of the battle. I can't yeah. even imagine how they pulled this off. I feel like a good equivalent is like the World War Two movies from like maybe our parents or even our grandparents era, like a bridge too far compared to like saving private Ryan. Yeah. I remember when that first came out, people were, they either loved it or were like, wow, that's too, too much. Yeah. I mean, just the cinematography, the, it really shows how much luck is involved when it comes to surviving a huge fight like that at that time. Like it doesn't matter who you are. Um, and how cool. And, uh, when the, the horses charge, like I saw the thing it, that isn't green screened. I know, it's just That's like a so nuts. farce. Uh, what was it? Wide lens or something? Yeah, but um, yeah, that was insane. And Rickon dies from uh, Ramsey Bolton's arrow. Why didn't he zigzag? Don't you ever hear someone shooting at you to run in an unpredictable pattern? Yeah, I was sort of like, <laughs> why don't you just hide behind one of those blade guys? Like, <laughs> but. All right, let's back up a little bit. 
to the resurrection. Well, first off, I want to ask you about episode one. Okay. And one thing in particular, the end. Uh, Melisandre. Mm-hmm. Being an old... How do you think that bit of information is being used? Like... Do you think that's a tidbit for later, or do you think that was just kind of a perspective thing? Yeah, I think it was a perspective th- thing. Yeah, because I, I, I couldn't decide if that was something that's going to kind of pay off later. Like, what did he call it? Like, glamour? Because yeah, you do glamour. see another red woman in the priest, the high priestess. Later. Yeah, you see another red She's priest the same thing. once, and then you never see her again. Yeah, which is ridiculous. They kind of played that up a lot. Like, yeah. In a lot of the... Uh, I'm wondering also down the line if maybe she's involved, or if maybe she's even a replacement for um, what was that one girl from like season two or Carthur? Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. the girl with the weird mask. I think but, we're never gonna see Essers or the, those characters again. Yeah, unless it's like in the last season or something, like right before. But I I did find that a little bit confusing looking back uh, the red woman thing I guess it's actually the opposite way at the time I guess I thought it was a little more confusing looking back now it was probably just to establish that even though it's been proven time and time again the magic is kind of real and I think that was sort of a hint that she's going to use whatever like she lost her fate blah 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 yeah I think it was multiple things i mean i think they could have capitalized more on it but just the fact that now you're in on the secret that she's really this old feeble woman who's seen a lot you know so and it shows her at her weakest point she thinks she was wrong about everything that all her whole life was for nothing because the person she believed in turned to be out to be not azor high and I think it's just showing you at her weakest before her faith gets turned around at the last second when she's able to resurrect Jon Snow. Yeah. And, and uh, I just think sure. it shows how old that faith is. I think that there's a lot of reasons behind it. I felt like they could have dived deeper into it, though. Yeah. Uh, I guess the, besides the fact that it was exciting that it was episode one, definitely one of the weaker... In the bottom three episodes, I feel like, of the season. Oh, yeah, it was definitely my least favorite episode of the season was the first. All the stuff in Dorne, like, you just kill all these great characters from the books just because you're like, ah, we messed up Dorne last season. Let's just hit the reset button and kill everybody and then go to them at the very end of the finale. Yeah, I think think it's episode four was my least favorite which episode? A little was that? foggy. Episode four. I think that's Book of the Stranger. Okay, yeah. That's when like Marjorie's gets to see Loris and all that. Yeah, I mean it's just again it's important, but it was sort of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the episode where Tyrion's is kind of like talking to the uh, telling jokes. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which actually, fun. those kinds of scenes are. Kind of weirdly, my favorite type of scenes, but it was uh, I th- I think like episode four and episode like 
seven or something like that. Probably six. My, yeah, maybe it was six. That's when Sam goes to meet yeah, his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It, it's cool, but it, it was kind of a long episode in a way. He was sort of waiting for yeah. There's what's a lot be of the setup. Punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But back to the resurrection of Johnson. Do you think it happened too fast? How do you think it was handled? And because I mean, and, they really went out of their way all off season to say, "No, he's really dead. He's really, really dead." And then two episodes in, he's back. Yeah, I mean, at the time. I thought it was a little quick, but now looking back, I'm sort of glad they kind of just got it over with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because the worst kept secret and whatever, not really bad kept secret, but you just sort of knew. Yeah, I mean, he's the main protagonist. And, and they constantly hinted at it, yeah, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I guess... Go ahead. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was going to kind of change. Yeah, I was just going to say the last big thing that had to do with John was that they revealed R plus L equals J. His mom is Lyanna Stark. He's not Ned Stark's son. He is Lyanna Stark's son, and Rhaegar Targaryen is his father. Yeah. So he's essentially Danny's nephew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How weird is that? Yeah. <laughs> The Song of Ice and Fire. Um, that was, was big gonna... because that was just the. I mean, everyone that was a book reader already knew this, but it's just nice to get the confirmation. Pretty cool. Yeah. I especially love the way they transitioned from the flashback of the baby into Jon Snow becoming King of the North with the rousing music. That was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. It was subtle but not subtle. You yeah. Know? It was clear, but it, they didn't go. And it's Jon Snow. <laughs> the new Sorry Not Sorry. Subtle Not Subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say on a... I don't know. Well, I guess anyway. the flip side to that is to go to Danny's storyline and the other Targaryen. And she had quite a journey this season. It was not my favorite part of the season for the most part. But she gets kidnapped by a bunch of Dothraki and taken to Vias Dothrak, where she just burns down a hut and a dragon, and like she basically wins him over in a very cheap way. But it was cool to see her come again, come out of a big fire. Yeah, I thought that particular scene was one of the stronger scenes in her storyline, but. That's one of the ones I felt was kind of dragged out yeah, a little too much. And then That particular portion, the Dothraki. It's just thing. a lot of the same stuff we've already seen with her. Yeah. It I mean... Constantly have her dragons show up at the last second to save the day and all that. Which I, I felt that was a little bit strange that she was sort of the comedic... Not her herself, but between her and Jorah and... Yeah. Daria. Like a... Like the Dothraki guys saying all the stuff that they were going to do to her and the Valyrian or whatever, yeah. thinking she couldn't hear or speak it. Which we've, again, we saw that at season three when the slaver did, you know, like, it's just, it has less effectiveness when it's something they've already done. Yeah, I agree. Um, but then she says goodbye to Jorah after it's revealed he has grayscale, 
Which was a pretty good scene, I thought. Yeah, I, I agree. It was actually had emotion. I'm wondering what's going to be. He's he can't be out of the seat. I wonder if like he maybe rallies the grayscale guys. <laughs> That'd <you> be know? crazy. <laughs> I think he'll be back. Probably he's going to go look for the cure. He'll either show up at the wall or Old Town with Sam and try maybe, to read some uh, books. <laughs> Melisandre. Yeah, there you go. Um, Since Stannis's daughter, maybe she's the one that cured her. Yeah. And then um, you had the big battle of Marine, which, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous that she just showed up right at the perfect time and all that. But the, uh, it's a lot of that going on this yeah. season. But I mean, that was pretty awesome. The first fifteen minutes of Battle of the Bastards, I didn't expect to be as good as it was with the dragons. Yeah, that was taking amazing, over. actually. Yeah, uh, uh, they did that very well. The CGI um, on the dragons, man, is awesome. Yeah. Um. Uh, I was going to comment on uh, Jon Snow, though. Um, I think you were saying the man on the mission thing. Mm-hmm. I, it didn't irk me. Again, when you hear us talk about Game of Thrones, we're only comparing it on the level of Game of Thrones. Yes, exactly. But the how different his personality was in, like, episode three. Like, very dark. And yeah. Killed Ollie yeah, kind of, not soft-spoken, but you felt his personality change a lot, and I felt like that pretty quickly dissipated. Like, he was pretty much Jon Snow, just besides the fact that he was a little apprehensive about the whole Night's Watch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked a little bit more of a darker side to him. Yeah, he seems to go right back to normal before too long. Yeah, he's got his flat, like, in the battle... We'll get to that. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems, and if you watch any of the, like, post-episode things, they kind of really played that up. Like, John's a different man. He's But he really wasn't. He saw, he saw the blackness. And that just tells me, in the books, he will be, and it'll be very effective. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, from their perspective, is... John is sort of the best person. Maybe. In the show. Yeah. He's my favorite character in the books, but not in the show. Yeah. I, this is a version of subtle, way too subtle. If they if there was any change, it really was under the surface. Yeah, they kept I guess they just wanted to keep his characteristic stark traits, but I hope in the future they maybe bring out the Targaryen side of him a little bit more. Mm-hmm blood and fire yeah but yeah i agree uh, i guess the last thing with danny was the final shot of the whole entire season when she's got her boats and she's sailing to westeros with uh, the tar not targaryens uh tyrells and the martells and the dothraki and the unsullied yeah the ironborn like she's about to kick some ass (laughs) yeah um, it's a pretty cool shot, even though I don't know how Varys got from Dorne, or from Marine to Dorne and to on that ship, like, in yeah. three seconds flat. Yeah, but, about the timeline stuff. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess next um, next up, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, 
episode three, that's when they, you see Rickon again. That's um, Ollie getting hanged. Yes, and... You see Sam the first time. First Tower of Joy. Yeah, first half of that. But more importantly, I think um, in episode four... I'm pretty sure it's episode four and not three, but Sansa in the Stark reunion. Yeah, that was awesome. That was actually one of the bigger parts of the season. You know, it's a little more subtle. But, I mean, you just sort of been waiting for that to happen the entire show. Yeah. Since they left each other. Even though, yeah, they haven't been together since episode one of season one. Yeah. (laughs) Even though they weren't super close, it's just cool to see them come back together like when Arya if if Arya ever reconvenes with John, I mean he's the one that gave her needle in the premiere episode and it's played a big role <laughs> in her life. Yeah, I feel like um she's sort of the wild card going into the future. Like she's definitely gonna be involved. But like I wonder how involved in the war for the dawn she she will be. Or even if she like actually officially like acknowledges or meets up with them uh, yeah, i just I don't get know. this vibe that they'll kind of like see aria's face out of the corner of their eye and then she'll be a faceless man you know what i mean like i saw her but yeah well, let's go to aria because her i didn't really like her storyline this season either yeah i gotta agree i mean besides we'll get to that or whatever she tra- completed her training but then gave up on becoming a faceless man in the end anyway. Like, the whole season, she's just getting the shit kicked out of her, she's going blind, she's fighting a wave, she's put to the test, she fails almost every test, and then says, actually, I'm Arya Stark and I'm going back. And they just let her go. And then then she still has the ability to change faces somehow, even though she forfeited being a faceless man. Or whatever person yeah and i thought they were a little misleading with like after the she kills the waif or whatever and goes back to jock and they kind of play both sides of the fence a little bit too much i feel like because on one hand it's like he almost seems scared a little bit like like bargaining not like literally scared He's like, oh, you're finally no one. So, kind of the mixed message I got there was either, like I just said, he was just sort of like, um, uh, shit. Uh, yeah, you are finally no one. <laughs> or maybe that kind of it was sort of the point. Like, it doesn't really matter. The yeah, whole it's confusing. No it's really yeah. confusing. Because... Like, how can she always loses to the waif, but just because she learned to fight blind, she can kick her ass in the dark. Uh, And also, like, she didn't really... I mean, Arya was already here. Like, we've already know. She loves killing, you know, and she takes her personal vendettas way too far or way too seriously. It's the same, like, it's the same arc three seasons in a row with her. Yeah, like, I like the whole concept of the list and whatnot, and it's seeming to be pretty kind of, like, destiny-like. Yeah. But um, I I felt like this season was sort of, like, 
we really can't cut her out. Right. They're forcing her in. Maybe they should have just had her in, like, three or four episodes, like Sam or something. Yeah. Or like, a little more than that. That's a good example. Like, that may have been a good episode if they kind of did. Like, that one episode is almost half of Sam. Almost half Sam. Like, if they did an episode that was just him and her, basically. Right, yeah. That might have been a little stronger. But, but in the end, the Frey Pie scene was awesome. It may, yeah, it, incredible payoff. Yeah, which is a big thing from the book that it belongs to someone else, but they gave it to her, which was really cool, and then she kills Walter Frey. That was really awesome. Yeah, I, I wonder what her thing... She doesn't have a beef with Jamie, does she? I mean, I don't think she loves him, but... Oh, well, I, I, I could see that, but... I mean, like they were saying, she was smiling. You don't know it's her. I think she was thinking, "Oh my God, I can kill two birds with one stone." How lucky am I? But then he kind of left right before he get to that point. I think her bigger fish to fry was Walter Frey, the man who killed her, her mom, and her a lot of her family. Oh yeah, absolutely. uh, And how about the whole theater troupe thing with? In Bravos, I that was actually pretty cool. Even though they were pretty long, yeah, they really were. I mean, I liked them. They just felt like a waste of valuable time. I mean, it, I don't know, but they were good at the same time. So I can't say it's yeah, a waste. Yeah, I was going to say it's a waste, but kind of in a good way. Like it's it a- sort of <laughs> slowed it down, and it also sort of did like previously on. Yeah. But, it's good at catching the audience up and reminding them about things but with a skewed perspective. Yeah, but I thought that was kind of important because that kind of gives you perspective of... Like, when you see all this stuff with Cersei and all that, you're kind of like... How do like people tolerate it almost? But, yeah. Or whatever, you know what I mean? But, hey, the victors tell the stories. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's what that's how all the people see what happened. Like yeah. actually Tyrion is a horrible person essentially, mm-hmm. a trickster and Yep. <laughs> yep. And I must that would have been like a cool uh online short web series in between seasons or something. Yeah. But it and, it worked well for what it was. And I I I like the aspect of the the lady that played Cersei. Like, I like how Arya is still enough of a human to be like, well, as horrible as a person as she is, like, it's true. She really does love her children. Like, yeah. And the fact that Arya understood that sh- actually was probably the biggest character development they show- showed from her. Yeah, and now looking back, now that we're saying it, it very foreshadowing of... Uh, sort of the last episode. Yes. Or maybe not foreshadowing, but like uh, the emotional aspect Mm -hmm. of that whole thing. And you know that the woman that played the fake Cersei was the mom from the Babadook, that horror movie? I thought she looked familiar. Yeah, she's a great actress. Yeah. But I guess we should get to King's Landing, because that was a crazy, crazy way to end that storyline. Yeah. I mean, um, the whole season, it was kind of a slow burn, and, okay, are they? when are they going to get to the action? When's, when's the mountain going to 
just start killing sparrows and and all that. But they slowly build it up where Cersei thinks she's going to enact her revenge, and it just doesn't happen. She gets turned uh, turned away at the last second. The High Sparrow keeps beating her to the punch at every turn. She gets he gets Tommen to buy him to the faith, and Marjorie, even though she was faking, but yeah, pretty much. He, the High Sparrow had full control until Mad Queen Cersei arrived and yeah. blew them all to smithereens with wildfire. Which, the first 20 minutes of the 10th episode, Winds of Winter, probably the best 20 minutes of Game of Thrones. Period. I absolutely agree. The music was amazing. Oh my god. I get chills just thinking about it. Like I was listening to that score a little bit and... Man, it's very Godfather esque, and the yeah, way with that fantasy twist, yeah, absolutely. It just shows everyone getting ready, and oh my god, it's so perfectly paced, and it's Built set, it's up. it's dread. You know something's happening. You know it's happening. They've subtle, not so subtle. They've been saying the wildfire, the wildfire, the wildfire. You kind of know it's happening, and it's like just waiting for the inevitable with the perfect music to build up the tension and. Oh my god. And my favorite, perhaps my favorite scene slash shot of anything in Game of Thrones history is when it just shows Tommen looking out the window at the, like, the fire still going, and it's so faint in the background, but you can hear the screams and the, but at the yeah. same time, it's, he's so far away, so it puts a different perspective, like, incredible. Then he walks away from the thing, they stay at the window. Yeah, and you can hear him put his crown down. Yeah. And then like, he subtly. just jumps out the yeah. window, basically. Like, like No hesitation or anything. Either. Yeah. That's what I really liked about it. He didn't, like, think about it. He just... Whoop. But, oh my god, to just show how he's up on high. He's... the All the peasants... Like, I don't know, it just showed... You could faintly hear the complete devastation, but at the same time, it was so pulled back that it... Omer seemed, I don't know, just gave like two perspectives at the same exact time. I thought it was incredible. It was, it was very surreal, even looking at it from like our perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. Very it's cool. Sort of uh, Game of Thrones 9-11. Yep, <laughs> exactly. It was very similar to something like that. And I would probably kill myself too if I was married to Marjorie and she died, you know. it's uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. I'm, I'm still heartbroken. <laughs> that was crazy. I, like, that goes forgotten, I feel like, because even I forget sometimes that she died. And she did yeah. almost nothing wrong, except for, I guess, you don't play to hide the Sparrow's game. I don't know. Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I'm not upset that she died. I guess it does make sense going forward. She probably has would have no role in the coming war for the Dawn or whatever. But I really liked her as a character, besides the oh, fact yeah. that she is amazing to look at. Great but, character. I like how she's manipul manipulative, yep. but she is the the yin to Cersei's yang, <laughs> yeah. I guess. And like wow, they're kind of the same, but the opposite. Cersei got everything she wanted, and her prophecy came true. Yeah, you know, and now I feel like it's going to be a quick fall from grace here in the next season. Yeah, Jamie's not very happy. No, that's. Very interesting going back. Actually, that might be one of the... Besides the big, big picture, I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to most. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because he goes bad. from Jamie goes from the Siege of River Run, where he's like, "I will do anything to get back to Cersei. She's the only thing that matters to me. I love her. I don't care if anybody knows it." And then he immediately regrets that decision. I think because he, when he gets back, he knows she's involved. He she he has oh, to know yeah. like this bitch just went crazy. And, and um, um, yeah, I liked the whole Jamie thing where he gets kicked out of the King's Guard, and then he has to go take River Run back. That was pretty cool when he meets up with Brienne, and it's like yeah, they're being it's cordial. Cool seeing the Blackfish again, yeah, He's definitely. A cool character. Definitely. I like just that you could tell the relationship between him and Brienne is still there, but they're like, hey, if things break wrong, you know, we're on opposite sides. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, which I think that'll, I don't know, I, I want to think that it will eventually overcome. But I think it's uh, very interesting to think of it in the sense that, like, like Cersei's children were her her line to being a sane, sane person. human being. Yeah. I feel like that's equivalent for Jamie and his line, his connection with Cersei. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like she's not giving a fuck anymore, and I feel like his how much he cares about her is going to be significantly less. Yeah, I think he's going to kill her. Yeah, I, I think that, but at the same time, I feel like it's going to be Arya somehow. It's got, yeah, it's got, well, a lot of people could kill Cersei, but she's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> it could be D- Danny when she comes into town, you know, Tyrion. Has an axe to grind. Yeah. I'm just wondering if something like the uh, in season two, Danny sees that vision of she's finally in the the castle, the throne room, and, and there's snow everywhere. Yeah, it's all busted up, and there's snow everywhere. Or is it ash? That is true, but <laughs> I think it's snow because of yeah, winter yeah. has come. That was my thought too, but but yeah. It, I guess it doesn't really matter. It's destruction either way. And remember, Tyrion said to Cersei, all your dreams will turn to ash in your mouth or something. Maybe uh, he commands yeah. the dragon to burn, roast her. Like, there's so many, like, I could yeah. see Sansa killing her somehow. Yeah, I could see her Everybody hates getting her, her like wildfire or mm-hmm. dragon fire or... Only, going down. <laughs> yeah, the only people she has is the Hound. Or not the Hound, excuse me. Fraud, Fraudian the Slip. The Mountain and uh, the Maester Clygain. Uh, What's his name? Quyvern. Uh, Qui- I almost said Quygon. Quyvern. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, speaking of the Hound, I guess I said it. He's back, baby. Oh, yeah. I love that scene with just him in the... With, uh, with the what's his face the the actor yeah the guy from, from Deadwood uh, Deadwood he's a great actor I forget yeah. what his name is but yeah I liked all that just that whole episode of him going through like he wants to quit being the hound but then what do you know he's forced back into it yeah. he is really one of the better characters on the show yeah underrated for sure, he's he's very complex but real, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know who else keeps it real? Who? Bran. <laughs> we missed true. 
He was the reason season five sucked because he wasn't in it. Probably not, but uh, he's back, and I love his flashbacks. He's learning to Amazing. become one with the three-eyed raven or the weirwood trees. He can use his green seeing to see the past, the present, the future, and the biggest yeah. thing. Go ahead. I was just going to say, in the future, whenever we see his visions, I think we're going to really have to take into account is the past, present, and future are all kind of together. Yep, intertwined. Like, from him seeing the Mad King, seeing burn them all, and then you see the explosion, and then later on you realize the explosion wasn't a vision from the past no because jamie killed the king before he could they could burn them all yeah yep and obviously the big thing was we know why hodor is hodor yeah (laughs) what an incredible episode that was one of my favorite episodes for sure of the season yeah i Um, mean so like emotional and perfectly done just the transition from hold the doll Hold the duh, hold the, hold yeah, the. I, I love the emotion it gave because a lot of times when they have those deaths in this show, it's it's really a gut punch. Like they really sweep your feet out from under you. And not that him going isn't, but he goes out so like valiantly. Yeah, and you know it's inevitable because his whole thing is Hodor. You know, yeah. so it's like that's his whole reason for even being, and it's Bran's doing. It's oh man, it's so good, so hard to watch. And I really think that episode is going to be pretty important because if you really think about it, that really throws Bran's into the deep end. Like, yeah. you really realize that he can and has already affected time. And he broke the magic seal for the White Walkers. Yeah. But just, like, it kind of makes those theories that Bran might be all those Brandons in a way. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not, like, (laughs) not literally, but I'm just saying, like, Hodor was Hodor way before he was even born. Yep. And he affected that. So, I don't know, just the whole... I almost feel time like... Time travel's always really confusing. Yeah, but. I hope they don't mess with it too much. I feel like he's going to feel so bad about that that he's going to try and, like, learn not to try to interrupt things, <laughs> his visions or whatever. Yeah, I agree, and... But he's also, dangerous. He's dangerous because he has so much power and he did not learn how to use it, basically. Yeah, and I just... I don't know. I guess how I'm feeling with him is he might not, like, literally be all the Brandons, or he might not literally be that old man like the Three-Eyed Raven, but they're all somehow connected. Yeah, I mean... It's all build up one way or the other somehow to that, I feel like. Yeah. And the Three-Eyed Raven in the book is Brendan Rivers who's an awesome character from the Duncan Egg novels. He's like part of the Targaryen clan and he's an awesome character. I don't they never really said that's who it was in the show. But he knew that was going to happen. He had to. He sees all, right? So he was just waiting for it. I guess he didn't know exactly when, but 
Yeah, it's almost like... It's like uh, inevitable. It's almost like the War for the Dawn is kind of full circle. It's... It's almost, to me, like... Like the last one that happened is the one that's coming. Not in a literal sense, in a weird magic fantasy time travel-y kind of way. Where they're going to... I don't know. It's just all somehow building up to the... Yeah. It's hard to explain. It kind Brian, of makes sense in my head. He but. clearly has a big impact on the end game of this series. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be, but yeah, it could yeah, all. I don't know. He, <laughs> it could. I don't know. It's so crazy. I don't know how there's only 13 episodes left of the show. Yeah, I hope they're long episodes or something like yeah. that because. I really wouldn't mind having filler episodes, to be honest with you. If that's the, I don't mind the build-up and the dialogue. Like yeah. I might say they're weaker episodes, but I, in the long run, it, whatever. I mean, my favorite seasons are the seasons that really dive deep into the material and can give it time to breathe. I think that's why we're so invested in these characters, and they can kind of skim past the details the uh you know the more intricate stuff because the first four seasons of that and we're so invested that it, they can just play with it however they want and we're going to go along for the ride yeah i i guess the whole shorter seasons thing the only i think like, it's a budget this uh, yeah I, I agree i just i feel like with the pace that they went this season if they knew they only had x amount of episodes going forward I really wouldn't mind if they would have slowed down the pace of it. I'm not complaining about this season whatsoever, by the way. I loved it. Yep. It was it was incredible. But you got to read the books to get that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it, it's only 13 episodes. I'd rather them do, like, a kind of longer season. Or what? not maybe not longer, but a full season. And then, like, a movie or so. Or mm-hmm. maybe not, like, a literal movie, but... I still think they might end it with a movie. That would be cool, and that would give them the proper budget to... Go know, all out, yeah. Yeah, really go all out. Or, or like we said in previous things, do the half-season thing, where you have two seasons left, you break them into, each, into two, and maybe have longer episodes in each. Yeah, and I they might still that. do that. I mean, they're splitting it into seven and six. The last, yeah. you know, whatever. But I think, I guess they know what they're doing. Let's. Yeah, I'm, I have full faith in them. Yeah. I really do. Let's see, what else is left? You got Theon and his whole journey. He escapes with Sansa. It goes back to the Iron Islands where he has the Kingsmoot. And Euron Greyjoy comes in, takes over, wins the Kingsmoot. And then... Theon and Yara run away to join with Danny. The mean, whole Kingsmoot thing, isn't it supposed to be like a competition and it's not a competition, they just run? It's basically they, like a caucus. Oh, uh, okay. It's just, I thought it was more of like a, maybe not like a literal battle to the death. but They shortened of, it tremendously from the books. It's like chapters and chapters. Um, yeah, I, that's what I heard. It's basically who can get the most majority support. <laughs> yeah, and actually, those guys, for them being in so little of the season, and, you know, them shortening, their parts weren't that bad 
for no. for Theon, what it was. man, that guy is an awesome actor. Yeah, he really. For is. what he's had to do. What a range. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what is it, Alfie Allen? Yeah, he he's killing it with that role. What did he start? He started out with a loyal kind of ladies' man to a traitor warrior to a punk reek. So a tortured guy who he didn't even feel too, too bad for. And then, yeah, when he kind of really transforms into Reek, you're like, wow. Yeah, and now he's on the redemption trail. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, I guess we're just kind of going through more minor characters now. But, like, the Sam and Gilly stuff, I actually loved it. I think they did that perfectly. Only three scenes, basically, or three episodes with them in it. And I thought, I mean, the first one was nothing. It's just them getting sick on the boat on yeah. the ride. But then, it just kind of be like, he's still here. Yeah. He's coming. I liked those little check-ins. I loved the whole thing when he went back to his house uh, or his, you know, his uh, castle. Yeah, that was awesome. Him and, like, the guess who's coming to dinner <laughs> is basically a short version of that. Instead <laughs> of a racist dad, it's of a... Something, you know, wildlings are less than human, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I just, I think the guy that plays Sam was hilarious. I thought he did great as, like, a little bit comedic relief. And then, again, the Citadel at Old Town, that was pretty cool to look at. Yeah, that was amazing. He he has such good, uh, like, body posture in his acting. Like, yeah. Like, when he's going towards the library and he just kind of looks back at Gilly like a... Eh, uh, sorry about that. This is awesome. <laughs> no women or children. <laughs> I I do almost wish that they at least kind of showed him meet with the dude or open a book or, I don't know, a, a little bit more of a hint what's exactly to come with him, but a very minor Yeah, nitpick. he's going to discover something like, oh, we can use dragon fire to make more of this uh, Valyrian steel weapons and something like that. Yeah, I just thought... Either A, he could have, like, shared that sword and maybe put a little context. Or yeah. I just sort of would have liked to see him maybe, like, walk around the library a little bit. Maybe find, like, a section of the library <laughs> right. as an interesting, you know. Yeah. But, again, whatever. Maybe they don't exactly know where they want to go with that yet. Yeah, it's very true. Because I think I heard that, like, they know the end game now. They know what Martin is going to do, but I heard a lot of the stuff that wasn't in the books that they did this season was like it wasn't from the books it was just them making it up like yeah they're creating their own path to get to his ending yeah they they had the broad brush yeah brush strokes but they don't have the the detail yeah. the little details and but you gotta think it is a lot different like stannis is still alive mance raiders barrison selmy still alive in the books then there's the whole um the the targaryen like second son thing yep Aegon yeah Phaegon um yeah and I I guess we should talk more about Sansa I like Sansa I think she's come a long way as a character but some of my biggest nitpicks from the season are with her I I kind of gotta agree it's nice that she's not a little bitch anymore well she was a withholding bitch like yeah but I was gonna say she still kind of is (laughs) yeah She's learning, I guess. But, man, that is some ridiculous uh, storytelling on their parts. 
I'm yeah. not satisfied with John saying we have to trust each other in the finale. Like she literally got thousands of men needlessly killed. And John did his part by being stupid and reacting to things, but I'm just saying like you could say, "Hey, uh, I sent this letter. Don't know if it's gonna work." Yeah, but... <laughs> the fact that she just completely like let him do like she pretty much sent him to his death. Away. Yeah, I mean that's cold hearted. Like maybe we're not giving her enough credit. Maybe that was she didn't care because then she would have complete uh, jurisdiction to take over Winterfell at that point. Yeah, uh, but I also don't agree with people like saying that she's gonna. Like betray John? I don't think that'll be the case no, at all. I don't see it. I think she's going to be like battling her own desires for power, and she, I think she's ultimately going to come against Littlefinger rather than with him. Well, I agree with going against him. Actually, if you really think about it, the scene where John's King of the North, all that, King and she the North. Over at Peter Baelish yeah. the look they give each other it's almost the same exact scene as Cersei and Jamie. yeah yep which is interesting because they also in like the they had a connection but now they're on different wavelengths yeah yeah absolutely and, and it's kind of kind uncertain of do the same thing in the Battle of the Bastards when he climbs out it's almost the exact scene from when Danny's lifted by the, sl- the freed slaves. Yeah, oh my god. That like, was an incredible scene, too, when John's like, he just gets knocked over by his own man and then gets uh, incredible. consumed by the bodies. For a short scene, might, that might be my favorite little scene. Of the <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wow. And then 1-1 oh. one gets shot with all the arrows. Man, he's a hero charging in, in yeah. there and then gets shot in the eye. I really hate... Some people have really picked apart that, and they're like, what's the logic of Ramsey shooting the giant in the eye and not John? And I was like... He doesn't have he logic. just massacred his army and just rammed through the door. Like, I think that'd probably be the guy i take out, too. Yeah, also, it's Ramsey. Like, he has an unbelievable confidence in himself. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't, it's I don't just, know. It's complete sociopath. Like yeah. He has all confidence in himself. and Plus, they're completely outnumbered by this point. Like, yeah. they're fucked. Yeah, I don't have, I didn't have a problem with that. It worked in the scene. Yeah. Also, I love Sansa sicking the dogs on Ramsay. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Well, I, I liked even more John beating... Oh yeah, that was very cathartic. Awesome. <laughs> but in terms of Sansa, the way I feel they're going with her is she was like kind of losing her compassion. Like she was like like Ramsey said, "You always have a piece of me." Oh, so don't get me. In, don't start with the Sansa's pregnant theory. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I, ridiculous. When that scene first happened, I was like, "Holy crap, maybe that is." But. Looking back, really not. But no, it just means like he raped her, he fucked with her so much, she'll she'll never forget it. Yeah, I just if you really go back through the seasons with her, first it was Joffrey she liked, and then he beat the whatever, and yep. then Cersei, and then Littlefinger, and then Ramsay. So the way I feel they're going with her is like. 
That's going to take an screwed over well. anymore. But then she screwed over John, and I think that whole little kiss thing, like we have to trust each other, is kind of her being like maybe her one comfort zone like going forward yeah just because i feel like like he was like i think you should have mom and dad's room or whatever and she's like no you should he was like you're the whatever and then the whole king of the north thing happened it's very reminiscent of rob exactly so i feel like she's like cool with that i don't know where else they're gonna go with her like she's gonna probably have to marry some or something i don't know yeah but be interesting for sure yeah uh, only other things I can think of are Davos. Basically, he yeah. finds out about Stannis and uh, Shireen and confronts Melisandre about it. And that was an awesome scene. His performance there was great. And then, Another one of the guys that's a little bit underrated, but one of the better characters. Yeah. And also, along with Jon, he's probably... Actually, he probably is the most honorable person on the show. Yeah. Probably. But he, he's kind of intelligent, though. Like, he's not completely blind by... He's, he he adapts well, is I guess what I'll say. John's a little bit in his way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Davos, he finds something he believes in, and he, you know, he bends his knee, gives it his all to the end. He just seems yeah. to... Be lucky enough to survive all the falls of the people he's under. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought it was really cool that he's not religious. He doesn't believe in any of it any. But he goes to Melisandre, a person he doesn't particularly like, and says, I've seen you perform miracles. Like, can you yeah. do it? Yeah. And she could. And then she's, yeah. she rides off south. John sentences her away. What do you think she's running into? Could be a lot of cool possibilities. Like you said, Jorah, I think she could run into Arya, take her under her her wing. True. Uh, the Hound. I don't know. Interesting. Very. Yeah, maybe she goes to the bro- Brotherhood without banners. Yeah. Or Danny, um, even. I don't know. Yeah. But last thing, how awesome was Liana Mormont, the little girl? <laughs> I was going to say the same exact thing. How amazing. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I remember that was such a funny um, scene when Stannis is like, read that. Girls, age of 10 or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're so awesome at casting these kids. Like, usually kids are annoying. Like, Ollie was their only misfire. I couldn't stand him, but they're really good at, like, the young Starks in the first season. And now Liana Mormont, she's a great character. Yeah, like, when they hang Ollie, I'm, I wasn't one of those people that were like, yeah, he deserved it. I was just like, thank God he's off the show. <laughs> exactly. Almost like Roz. Uh, yeah. Prostitute, I mean, love to look at her, but <laughs> I was not glad she died, but it was almost a relief, like you said. Yeah. All right, well, do we rank? I mean, do we rate this? I guess I'd give it a heavy eight and a half. I don't really know how to correlate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't. Exactly. I don't know. I'd probably give it a, a late nine. Yeah. Well, let's rank the seasons. There's six seasons so far. All right. Uh, you want to rank them from worst to first? Um. Or you want me to yeah. go first? Yeah. You, you go first. We'll do worst to first. All right. Well, obviously, fifth season was my least favorite. I've already 
talked enough trash about that the last few years. Uh, next would be the second season. I think it was like their sophomore slump. They knew they were leading to Blackwater at the end, which was yeah. an amazing episode. Love the end of season two, but I just think they had some missteps along the way getting there. And uh, I, I mean, Tyrion was awesome in season two. That was like his season to shine. But I thought they messed up some Arya stuff and John on the when he goes north of the wall. Like that's some awesome stuff in the book that I loved. Thought they kind of screwed that up, but. I mean, it's still a very solid season of television, but not yeah. their best. Next up, this is the, was the closest for me between fourth and third place. I switched them in the end. Next is season three, which I think is a great season. I think it's every episode in season three is super solid, uh, ending with the Reigns of Castamere, or close to ending with the Reigns of Castamere. Yeah. But... There, that's the only like real standout episode. The other ones are just rock solid, good episodes. See, is it season two or is it season three where Arya's at at uh, Hall with Tywin? Yeah, I think that's season three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think it's okay. the first half of season three. Yeah. Um, but my uh, third favorite season is this one, season six. It just. I was going to put it below season three, but it just had three or four episodes that just had some, so many amazing moments that it kind of, I ranked that ahead of the consistency of season three. Yeah. But second favorite, season one, the one that started off, I just think they nailed it, uh, that first book, pretty much perfectly. They yeah. did such a great job getting everybody invested in so many different characters and getting their journey started. I think without that season, I mean, you got nothing, obviously. But And the best season is season four to me. I just think, like season six, it has a ton of amazing, incredible set piece moments or memorable moments. But it also has that thing from season three with the solid all the way through, nothing really bad about it at all. <laughs> yeah. What's the big episode in that one? Season four, I guess... I don't want to ruin my list, but uh, let's see. Joffrey dies. Uh, oh, okay. Tyrion kills Tywin. The Mountain versus the Viper. Like, oh, even Tyrion's trial when he goes against everyone. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, a lot of good stuff there. And, yeah, yeah that's how I'd rank them. How about you? I guess I'd have to go with, I agree with you in last place. Season five. Um, second to last. Uh, to be honest, season three. Okay. Um, I don't know why. I maybe because I've gone back and like watched all of season two. There's something about season two I just kind of like. I I feel like it's a little underrated. And I Blackwater is amazing. Like I love the whole. The build-up for that episode kind of reminded me a little bit of the the Winds of Winter. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the, you know, they're just waiting for this horrible battle to happen or whatever. So, three, then two, and it basically the same as yours, to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> it's so hard to decide, to be it honest. Is, it is. I like every season for different aspects. Exactly. And, 
there's some seasons where like I like Ario's my favorite and you know. I think season four will always be my favorite and season five will always be my least favorite and it, yeah, like you said, the it's on a scale of Game of Thrones. Like even season five of Game of Thrones I'd rather watch than ninety five percent of television out there. You know, it's Yeah. Actually now that I think of it, my top three would be number one is four. Number two is actually six. Number three is one. Yeah. By pretty slim margin. I mean, the budget difference. I just liked how in season one, they didn't have the budget yet that they have now, but they still managed. Still, yeah. yeah, yeah. I absolutely agree. Yeah. It's actually, it might be the most watchable overall. Yeah, I think so. Of all of them. I think it's super easy. Like, my wife, Sam, for years like just refuse to watch this show as much as i'm like i promise you love it even though you don't like this fantasy crap and finally a few months before season six started we we did and it's the first season that it's so down to earth it's more of like uh i don't know it's like more political it's just easier to follow and digest as a starting point before the world shatters yeah you get hooked on these characters in this world and then the crazy shit happens, and you can go along with it. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool when you get into the first season, because I went into it not knowing anything about the books, that it, they mm-hmm. were books. <laughs> and it's it's so cool that this whole world exists, and there's all this history, and it's just like, it feels so solid and set in stone. And they don't baby you about it. They nope. just sort of are like, Ned. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. John Jamie. Aaron died. Like yeah. you're supposed to know who the hell he is. Like, right, right. And it's very way. and it's very similar to the books. Like when I first started reading the books, I'm like, how the hell am I ever going to remember a single one of these names? But it reward. First of all, it rewards rereads and rewatches. But they do catch you up, and you're not going to be missing too much. Yeah, as long as you're paying attention. I do- I do got to admit, like, even though I watched the whole first season of Game of Thrones, like, whatever, I watched it after the whole season came out. I didn't watch it, like, week to week. Same. I, I think I lived near the city at the time. I really liked it, but I did have, there so, was so many characters and all, like, I had a really hard time remembering what people's names were. Yeah. And sort of putting the pieces together a little bit. But, I mean, like, through a second watch, it's very concrete. But it also may be reflective of how I watch things. Like, the first time I watch a movie or something like that, I sort of don't put any thought into it. Like, I just... I'm I'm in it for the ride. Mm-hmm. Like, just whatever. And just enjoy it. And then, like, the second time around, I try to, like, digest and, you know... And now, yeah, 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 I got you. All right, let's get into our top ten favorite episodes in the series. This One, was pretty tough for me. Yeah, this was very tough. It's the first time yeah, I've kind of done it something would be like that this. Bad. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. I was kind of agonizing over putting certain things in certain places here, but what's your number ten? Oh, um, let's see. Mm-hmm. I uh, the door 
Okay. Honorable mention for me. Okay. Yeah, it has a lot of heart to it. That's insane that that didn't make my top ten. I mean, that just shows how many amazing episodes there are. Yeah, for sure. Um, My number ten is The Laws of Gods and Men. It's episode six from season four. That is the one that ends with Tyrion on trial and just everything is stacked up against him. It Mm -hmm. ends with him, Jamie saying, I promise you, just go with whatever and you'll be let off easy. And he just can't help himself, especially when Shay betrays him. And he just goes off on everybody and requests a trial by combat. Trial by combat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Incredible. Honorable mention. Yeah. Just a great way to to end that episode. And the whole episode itself was good as well. What's your number nine? My number nine is... Excuse me. Your excuse? Winter is Coming. I believe it's the first episode. The pilot episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I still like going back and watching it. Ned and uh, King Robert. Like I said, it's before the world blows up. <laughs> and I don't know. It, it's just very watchable. It's, a, it's such an enjoyable episode without all the... What we now know as Game of Thrones, really. It's such an amazing opening scene. I mean, talk yeah. about getting you hooked. Just you're north of the wall... The White Walkers, like the first scene of the whole entire show is the White Walkers. Yeah, you kind of and then forget you don't that. See him again until yeah, yeah, and yeah, just amazing opening scene, and you got the whole the things we do for love, and it's great. It's yeah. great introduction. Oh, yeah, that, forget about that. That happens in the fir- very first episode. And all yeah. And, yeah yep. definitely. Yep. My number, number nine, nine. My number nine is Blackwater, episode nine from season two. Uh, incredible nice. self-contained episode. Tyrion at his finest, giving orders, save like being the hero. Um, There's a brave man out there. Let's go kill them. That's a great speech. Yeah. You got the Hound and Bronn working together. I mean, even though I, they don't like each other, and yeah, it's just the first time they really did this, where every scene, the whole episode is one location, and the budget yeah. showed and. It set the, really set the standard for the rest of the the series. Yeah. In terms of episode nine or whatever, I had this on my list as well, a little higher up. Um, my favorite scenes in this episode, besides like the big explosion, was which at the time was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen on TV. I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. When the Bahut explodes, it's insane. Yeah. But I really like um, the build-up to that battle, like uh, Bronn and them singing that song. It's <laughs> sort of cheerful but eerie at the same time. And then, for whatever reason, I really like this scene at the end with Cersei's about to give Tommen poison. Maybe she should have. <laughs> yeah. And then the door opens, and it's Lancel. Or not Lancel. Um, yeah. Is it, yeah, it's Lancel. Saying, Tywin has returned, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just, I always really liked him, actually, as a character. Because mm-hmm. he was a pretty badass warrior. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I really like that scene for whatever reason, and Tywin comes in on his horse. <laughs> Saves um, to die. But, yeah. What's your number eight? 
My number eight is Watchers of the Wall. Alright, awesome battle. Yeah, um... The Blackwater of its season, basically. Yeah, and the first real of uh, one of those episodes that was like almost movie quality Yeah. battles. Same director as Blackwater, I believe. Really? Yeah. It's in my top 20. Didn't even make my honorable mentions, but I do love it. Yeah, again, this was a tough list to make yeah. <laughs> when me. the scythe comes down from the wall the giant it's the first time we see the giant I think 1-1 one, one. Yeah. yeah yeah it's good stuff sure. man my number 8 is Baylor episode 9 of season 1 when uh, Ned, Ned gets his head cut off honorable mention for me just wow that's when you I mean obviously if you read the books you knew this was happening yeah. but that is the quintessential Game of Thrones moment yeah yeah just like I, all expectations shattered in one single swing of the sword I wish I was recording <laughs> Sam's reaction when she watched it <laughs> because she was like I know she had to be thinking yeah 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 he's probably gonna you know he's a hero yeah. And just the audible gasp as it happens, like, wait, what? Did that really just happen? Oh, yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like, they just killed the main character of the fucking show? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> the only actor that I know in this entire <laughs> thing. I know. Besides the guy from uh, King of Queens. <laughs> and yet, it thrives after that. You know, like, you don't, that's just the perfect thing of this show isn't one yeah. any one person it's really uh, maybe not literally the first one of the first shows to really do something like that mm-hmm. and no one even thinks of ned stark anymore unless they bring him up yeah what's your number seven my number seven is lions lions and rose the lion and the rose yes Believe that's when Joffrey bites it. Yes, sir. Um, what an amazing scene! I had a hard time picking because, to be honest, I might like the episode after that. I can't. Does that happen in the last episode or the first episode? What's that of the season? It's the second episode of season Just, four. Okay. Because I just remember the next episode starts off. Yeah. His face. Purple. Yeah, yeah. But I love Tywin being like, block the gates. Oh, man. And Cersei, God. Like, it's so crazy. Like, you hate this character so bad. And you can't even feel satisfied with his death. Because it's at the end, it's a little kid choking to death in his mother's arms. Yeah. Yeah. I actually felt, you feel bad for him. You know, it's like, or you feel guilty for wanting it to happen. It, it's crazy. It's great. And I, uh, looking back, I really like how, if you were clever about it, they, you would know who did it. Like, it actually does. If you go back and watch it, oh, yeah. what's her face really does. She takes that jewel off it's Sansa, there. and yeah. yeah, it's actually in the. They don't hide it. It's yeah. Just, it's really well done. If you don't know what to look for, then yeah. right, exactly. But I sort of do like the episode after that, like Sansa being whisked away. Mm-hmm. And Little Finger. Little Finger. And yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. 
my number seven is Winter is Coming, the very first episode. Like you said, just perfect entry point. Yeah. What's your number six? My number six... Oops. I miss fucking... <laughs> labeled that one. <laughs> My number six is Blackwater. Blackwater. All right. Yeah, you do like it. I did. <laughs> My number six is The Mountain and the Viper, episode eight of season four. Amazing. Maybe my favorite character, period, of Game of Thrones is the Red Viper, in the books and in the sh- in the show. Just. Such an am- and the fact that they introduce him and kill him all within eight episodes, in the, uh, yeah. the fourth season of a show like that's incredible in and of itself. It's but, still one of my favorite characters. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I know I knew it was coming. It's a moment in the books where I like literally had to throw the book down in disgust after I read it and take a break. It's one of those and. I still, it's like that dread thing, just like uh, in the finale of this past season. It's just like, I know it's coming, but come on, maybe, it, maybe it'll be different this time. And I love the whole, you raped her, you murdered her, you killed yeah. her children. <laughs> and uh, repeating that, over, almost like Viha Montoya from Princess Bride. Yeah, I remember being just like, dude, just finish him. Just finish him off. Yeah, I know. Do something. And See, I didn't know it was coming, but I had this hunch like halfway through the season where I was like, "This is like the most amazing character in Game of Thrones." There's no way he's fucking living. This <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and this is like the last time the audience has been surprised and on this level. I feel like they haven't yeah. had one of these type of things since then. And the fact that Tyrion's life hung on the balance as a Trial by combat. I mean that added, just added to it. Yeah, yeah. I guess after that, every shocking quote unquote moment sort of had it coming. Type thing. Mm-hmm. Like deaths wise. Like you that. could see it coming, even if it was very satisfying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's your number five? My number five was actually um that mountain viper. Alright, cool. <laughs> My number five was the season finale from season six, The Winds of Winter. Um, I don't think as a whole it's as... Like, I was debating whether to put this fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. Like, I was... I ended up putting it fifth just because the stuff at King's Landing is so pitch perfect and incredible. And there's plenty of other cool stuff as well, but it's that King's Landing stuff with the mu- the score on the background and that amazing scene like we were talking about. That's that's why I put it as high as number five. Yeah. Uh, it Just in terms of this season, in a way, it's... I don't know. I, I like Battle of the Bastards would probably be my favorite episode of the season, but at the same time, Winds of Winter is sort of a more complete episode there's so much more going on so i don't know it in some aspects it's better and some i don't know mm-hmm. it's a tough one what's your number four my number four is sorry this is all kind of blurred together what do i got left yeah i 
I guess, uh, like I said, I mislabeled a couple of them. Like, uh, the lines are off, like my number, and uh, it's kind of at an angle. It is uh, Winds of Winter. All right, cool. My top four are all from different seasons. They're all end-of-season episodes or whereabouts. But my number four is from the dreaded season five. It's Hard Home, episode eight. Uh, the one standout episode where John goes... Uh, across the, the beyond the wall to recruit the wildlings and the white walkers attack and it's like something from a horror movie and it's incredible and just the fight between him and the the white walker the whole come at me crow and yeah just re-rising the dead from the ground all over again just eerie just shows what a huge threat they are. <laughs> Not only does it sink in for John and them, it sinks in for the audience because how the hell are they going to compete with this? Yeah, it's just it, it kind of makes you just feel a little deflated. Yep, it almost makes yep. every petty Game of Thrones like political machinations yeah, like, all useless. Sort of the rest of the show is pretty pointless in a way when you put it in perspective. Exactly. It just makes yeah. you want to get to the battle between, against them yeah. right away. Yeah, I also feel like these uh, we're pretty much going to have the same episodes. I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, my number three is these are all so close, man. I know it's tough. Um, honestly, this is probably the most iconic episode of the entire show. It probably. Always will be, but the reigns of Castamere. Oh yeah, that's my number three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll get to it. Well, let's yeah. get to it now. It's another one where I wish I had recorded my wife's reaction when she watched it. Just the physically angle, like the anguish, the pain. Like, no, oh my god, go! That is not happening. Like again, but just more of not a gasp, but just like a sickening, audible reaction that's yeah i mean this was the real gut punch oh like i guess in perspective like if john didn't come back maybe that would have been but that would have almost been unforgivable (laughs) it's just the fact that uh yeah they just let it in so perfectly it's a slow burn you realize it around the same time that the Players in the game uh, realize it. This, when they start playing the Reigns of Casimir, the Lannisters music. Yeah. And Bruce has the chainmail. Yeah. And it's just like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it's just like, it's like a slow burn, but it's fairly quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and snowballing. The added effect, it wasn't in the book that. Um, Talisa gets stabbed in the pregnant stomach. Oh my god! Started all off. So brutal. And that um, when Caitlin, Catelyn gets her throat slit, or she's like, "I'll kill your wife," then I'll find okay. another. Yeah. They <laughs> oh, need to make god. one of those um, thug life memes <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's it's. I'll say right now, it's the best episode of Game of Thrones history. Yeah. It's my number one. Yeah. And, and again, 
it's hard for me to do these lists sometimes because for me a lot of that stuff is kind of subjective like i can't really i guess i do have favorites but like i don't know like battle of the bastards comparing that to the reigns of castamere i i personally don't know how you do that yeah i know they're so different yeah, because there's sort of the the action side, and then the political side, and then there's sort of like an emotional side in between that type episodes. But uh, yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, if I wasn't already like a hundred percent hooked on this show by that point, that had you, you know. Yeah. Also, Rob Stark is my favorite character in Game of Thrones for some reason. Rob Stark. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I just, and you know what? I sort of spoiled this episode for myself in a way. I didn't. I just early on when I was I figured out it was a book and all that. I remember just sort of clicking on the Wikipedia things, and I just happened to see that Rob Stark died at some point. <laughs> so I didn't know how or when. But I knew he was going to, so I, I sort of caught a whiff into that episode. But it still was so shocking. I also did that with uh, Joffrey. Yeah, he was the first thing I actually spoiled. Like before I even knew anything about really anything, I just read this like quote that Joffrey uh, claws and grasps his throat and turns blue or something like that. Whatever the quote from the book is, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting how the knowledge versus seeing it on screen. Yeah, but my yeah. number three is the children. It's the season finale from season four. I think I'm higher on this episode than anybody I know, but I just thought it was a perfect hour of television. Almost, it's yeah, everything it's definitely an honorable mention coming together. Me. It's Bran getting to the weirwood tree and the children of the forest coming to help him. It's Tywin, I mean, Tyrion killing Tywin and Shay. It's just, it's got so much going on, and I think, I, I just enjoyed everything about it. Yeah, it's it's an incredible episode. Actually, I, I looked up a good amount of top tens from people, and a lot of people had that in, like, their top five. Yeah. But it's not uh, in my top two. What's your number two? My number two... It's the Battle of the Bastards. Mine too. That's my number two as well. It's oh. just... It's not even just the John versus Ramsey stuff. It's the Battle at Marine for the first 15 minutes or whatever. is yeah. awesome as well. Like, it's the best action you could possibly get right there on HBO. <laughs> yeah, it, along with the chill... It's one of the most complete episodes. Yeah. And it it's very cool because it, it's an action episode. If it wasn't Usually. for the deuce deus ex machina of the veil coming in at the last second. But even so, it was still so cool to watch that it didn't matter. Yeah. just There's so many cool scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, with John coming out of that pile and then being so trapped. Oh my god. And Iconic. there's the mounds of bodies. Like, yeah, we've talked about it like three times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's that good. Yep. My number one is the Reigns of Casimir. What's yours? Hard home. Hard home. Yep. Hard to Something argue. Something about it. Something about it is just 
it really, I don't know, yeah, amazing. Yep. Hard to argue for sure with that. It's amazing. finally seeing the the Knights King like really, yep, doing his thing. So, and just how eerie it is when you see them up on the cliffs. Oh, yeah, the, the four oh, horsemen man. or whatever. Yeah, that's such a cool. It's badass. Scene. But yeah, that's Game of Thrones for you. Yep. We'll be back next year <laughs> to review Season 7. We'll have to do that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, but stay tuned to the Redbox Report because we got a slew of reviews coming your way over the next couple months to catch up on all we've missed, plus catch up on all we've missed <laughs> and stuff Must that's be. coming out in the next time. So next week we'll be reviewing 10 Cloverfield Lane as well as our top 10 movies slash TV shows we've watched during our two-month hiatus. Yep. Looking forward to it. So, yeah. as always, you know where to email us. Come at us, crows. The Red Box Report at Yahoo.com. Or follow us on Twitter at The Red Box Report. I'm on Twitter at The Oil Report. I'm on Twitter at Red Box Reporter. That's right. I forgot about that. Without um, the question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and find us anywhere where you want. On the net, baby. <laughs> Surf it. Surf it hard. All right. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Glad Welcome to be back. back. Glad, glad to, to be, be back. back. <laughs> Stepped all over you there, but yes, I agree. <laughs> I love it. The the stumble at the end. It's it's iconic. Quintessential. <laughs> exactly. Red box. All right. <laughs> see you later. <laughs>